You're tuned into Two Shades of Blue, a Carolina Blitz podcast featuring Royal and Terrence, two brothers from another mother who rep rival teams eight miles down Tobacco Road. Each week, Royal and Terrence will give their real and unbiased take on all Carolina sports and entertainment. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Two Shades of Blue podcast. My name is Royal Howell. Uh, my co-host Terrence Hatchett and my second co-host Ben Ridlinger, who's a special guest of the show, um, family, also our brother who covers uh, sports, big time Panther fan, big Hurricanes fan, NC State alumni. He knows his stuff. Ben Ridlinger, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, guys. No doubt, yes, no sir. doubt. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As you know, the NFL draft took place last Thursday. A lot, a lot of stuff happened. We're going to jump right into it. Your own Carolina Panthers, eighth pick. You saw a lot, a lot of rumors about them wanting to go after quarterback. You know, they just traded for Sam Darnold um, recently. Um, you know, the Panthers have that fifth-year option on them, $18 million potentially cap hat for next season. Um, a lot of Panther fans wanted Justin Fields to be that A selection, but they went after J.C. Horn, um, his pops, former New Orleans St. Joe Horn. Um, as you know, Mr. Cellphone, they call him. Um, the Panthers went after J.C. Horn. Um, a lot, a lot of folks were upset about the pick. You saw all type of controversy all over social media. Um, a lot of unhappy fans, but I did see a lot of happy fans on the other end of it. Um, you know, it seems like they were putting their all into Sam Darnold once next year. They put all the eggs in one basket. Um, you can agree with it. You cannot agree with it. But they added some weapons, you know, also Terrace Marshall, who's also been a part of the Joe Brady system. Mr. 4-3, he's a vertical threat. Um, you also add, uh, you know, a healthy CMC, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, um, you had the GM making a bunch of trades during the draft, more trades than Wall Street almost. Um, what's your opinion on the Panthers draft? Were you happy with the eighth pick selection? Um, give me your thoughts on the trades and everything that transpired throughout the draft for the Panthers. Give me your thoughts, uh, starting with T. Uh, as far as the eighth pick, I was on the Justin Fields bandwagon. I've been a big fan of Justin Fields since he was uh, in high school. He was the number one rated player above Trevor Lawrence coming out of high school. Um, you know, had a situation in Georgia where Georgia went with Jake Fromm, which I think was a mistake, and it turned out to be a mistake. He went to Ohio State, um, took them to the college playoff two years in a row, uh, dealt dual with Clemson twice. Uh, first time, an unfortunate time where the receiver broke off his route. It was a miscommunication. They lose a close game, and then uh, this past year against uh, Clemson in the bowl game, I mean, Justin Fields looked him up, man. He had six touchdowns, was throwing darts, 60-yard bombs in the air, accurate through tight windows, um, got hurt in that game, showed a lot of toughness. So I've been a big fan of his. And when he dropped to eight, I just knew that we were going to take him. You know, sometimes when a guy slips and you don't expect him to be there, you just you scrap the plan and you take that guy. Um, but, you know, they went another way, and at first – I was one of those fans upset. I mean, this is no disrespect to J.C. Horn, but J.C. Horn's a good corner, uh, 6'1", 200 pounds, plays physical, plays in man coverage. It definitely is a boost to our defense. Our defense is emerging. Uh, defense definitely played pretty well towards the end of last season. They definitely showed signs of improvement from where they were at the beginning of last year. But my biggest thing is, is that Matt Rule and this regime – already whiffed on one quarterback they traded you know they traded teddy bridgewater away for a six-round pick after signing him to a three-year deal worth about 63 million dollars 
And then one year later, he's out the window. So I don't have, I'm not sure how confident I am that they're putting all their eggs in Sam Darnold's basket just based off what I saw happen this past year or Teddy Bridgewater. It's not necessarily an indictment on JC Horn as a player, it's more about Matt Rule and Joe Brady. Seeing that last year, the Teddy Bridgewater experiment didn't work out as well as they wanted to. I'm kind of apprehensive and kind of more of like a wait and see about Sam Darnold. And they gave up, you know, end up being just a draft pick after they made those trades in the draft. But still, the fact that they already picked up his fifth year option, they're really putting their eggs in the Sam Darnold basket. And we know that Tepper is impatient. You know, he's on the team. I think this is his fourth year owning the team. Yeah, this would be his fourth season on the Panthers, and they haven't made the playoffs not one time. So how patient is uh, David Tepper really going to be um, with a 23-year-old quarterback who came out of an abysmal franchise with the Jets? Uh, mentally, you just don't know where he's at. And, I mean, I'm just going to say it. Sam Darnold is a project. And he's a project mentally and just, uh, you know, with the Jets. I mean, the Jets gave him no weapons at all, really nothing to work with. Um, and they're just an abysmal franchise. So can Matt Rule – rehabilitate Sam Darnold more than anything. As far as the rest of the draft, I was very pleased with the rest of the draft. Um, Terrace Marshall, where we selected him at in the second round, that was a steal. He's a first-round yeah, talent. He's, he's definitely a first-round talent. Like you said, 6'3", 200 pounds, runs a 4'3", already played in, with Joe Brady. He's very familiar with Joe Brady. Uh, Brady Christensen, a tackle, 6'6", 305 pounds. Definitely need to boost the offensive line, which I think we should have – and another thing real quick, not to get off track, but if we weren't going to draft Justin Fields, I think I would have been more happy if we drafted a tackle or offensive lineman. Um, and Asa Will, who I thought would have ended up with the Panthers at the eighth um, selection, but uh, I believe Detroit, what was it Detroit picked them or was it Cincinnati? So. Right, below, right before right us. Before I was shouting, right watching a Panay come oh, down. Let's like, see. Come on, come on. Oh, let's get to us at eight. And I, we have to, if we have Fields and Asuel, I mean, I would have gone Panay there as well. Like I, I love Fields, like what you were saying, T. Um, he, I was really sort of 50-50 in mind of like, you know, we just, you know, give Darnold this thing to have an option. But then Fields was a guy that I'd heard that Tepper liked from reading different things and that, you know, there was some real thought behind taking him potentially. So I think it, it is just like, you know, a close call that you said, like, you know, which, which young player is going to develop better. Um, and it, it's a big call, but, you know, I think Rule said today about the uh, – you know, their logic behind it was in the first, like the rest of the draft, I agree. It was great. We got some great value pieces, uh, uh, fitter, uh, trading down, you know, multiple times to end up with, we started with the six, I think ended up with 11 picks overall. Um, but that first one was definitely sort of hinged the rest of our draft. And I think ideal situation would be if uh, Panay fell all the way to us, would be great. But then where we were with uh, having, you know, potentially Rashawn Slater, Fields or JC Horn, I can, I guess, in hindsight, see their value. They much just really rated J.C. Horn highly on their boards, and everything you hear about him, like from Jalen Ramsey, from you know everything I've read and you know watched. The hey, hey rookie, welcome to the NFL. He's on there, and there's some good content with him there. Um, but you know, I think they thought that the sort of the top tier in the cornerback class was much narrower than the depth of offensive me... tackle. For them to go J.C. Horn at number eight, not only does it say that they're sold on Darnold for the future, it just in my opinion, but, I mean, you're picking up his option for the fifth year. It's an 18 million cap hit next season. 
Um, is it the right move for the Panthers to buy in, put all this much, like there's so, so much into Darnold that you haven't really seen much uh, from him in the Jets system? We, I mean, we know the Jets system has been abysmal, but I mean, to bring him to Charlotte, surround him with a little bit more better weapons, um, you know, you try to build the offensive line, the defense has already been solid, but you bring another capable draft pick that's going to play opposite of Jackson. I mean, you, you don't draft somebody that high to bench him or to play the bench. I mean, he's going to be probably starting. It's, very likely he'll be starting um, week one. So are you sold on the Panthers buying in completely to Sam Darnold? Because what happens if Sam Darnold drops the egg this season? Then you're back at square, you know, route one again with the whole Teddy B situation where you pay him all this money, you bring him in, fifth-year option, 18 million cap hit next season. Are you so bought into the Panthers putting all their eggs into the basket for Sam Darnold? Because what if he just goes, you know, what the Panthers go with four and 12 or some crap like that? I mean, like, what next? What's next for the Panthers? Are you sold, Ben? Yeah, so I think you know, the reason they've structured it the way they have, like $18 million is definitely a lot of money. But when you compare it to the average cost of, of quarterback for the, the upper level, it's not that bad. And the fact that it's only – we're picking up next year's option, but he's got a two-year deal. So for us, you know, if it doesn't work out, he doesn't perform. Like you said, we're back to square one. We may look back to regret that Fields decision and not trying to go with him. But by the same token, Justin Fields could go, you know – not do very well to start and struggle. A lot of rookies do when they're first starting. I have to take a little while. Sam Darnold, case in point. And we can look back and Sam, you know, with that support and having the sort of three years, knowing the speed of the NFL, I think he definitely has an edge on fields for like performance this year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Dalton will. Exactly. Long-term, it's definitely where, where the big question will be for sure. And like I said, I was 50-50 because I was a big Justin Fields fan too. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, because – they thought maybe it was like in their minds, it was a pretty close decision. There wasn't like a clear advantage between Fields and Darnold. Um, you know, they thought like, let's get the extra piece. Let's get a great, uh, uh, you know, defensive back that we could have a lockdown corner for build like Seattle head with their, you know, great secondary. Um, the Jets. Exactly. And, you know, we've already surrounded just looking at our draft and then who we have already now we have better weapons than Sam Darnold's ever had. And now with this draft too, like he's experiencing a team like drafting around him, getting, like you said, Terrace Marshall, really underrated uh, receiver. They say a fellow bit and athletic as heck. I think he, he could be one of the best receivers in this entire class, honestly. Yeah. Chubba, and Chubba Hubbard. Yeah, Chubba Hubbard, my Canadian friend coming yeah, down from uh, back. up north. Oh, <laughs> yep. he, he's going to be great. Like, you know, he had an injury this past season. He kind of fell because of that. Um, and, you know, but his 2019 season, he had 2,000 yards. Like this guy yeah. – is a freak. And I think he's going to be a great, uh, you know, sort of got to work in his, in his rookie year. Um, and then potentially, you know, start lining him up creatively. I mean, Joe Brady is pretty creative with his play calling finds different mm -hmm. ways like with Curtis Samuel to utilize guys. I think Tommy Trumbull, uh, you know, Chubba, uh, uh, Terrace Marshall, even Shia Smith out of South Carolina, yeah. Joe Brady is just thinking of ways that he can use all of them. He already knows Terrace, uh, you know, Marshall from his uh, time with him at LSU. He's just sort of working in with what we've got now, and I'm excited to see it. I'm hoping that Joe Brady lives up to, you know, all the hypes that we've had from him. Um, you know, this is his season to really put up or shut up. He already yeah, had you know, one, one mark on his record with Teddy Bridgewater being his guy, and then a year later, the owner of him, I guess, everyone is like, he's out, to where, like, you're starting anew. It's, it's a big call. Yeah, man. So this is a big year for Joe Brady. Um, and all – and Matt Rule, too. I don't think Matt Rule will be on the hot seat because, you know, he signed that $7 million contract. But mm -hmm. if the Sam Darnold experiment doesn't go well, 
by next this year and next year. And let's just say Justin Fields, you know, he gets off to a slow start this year. I mean, the Bears don't have much at all. But, I mean, let's say the Bears add some pieces, you know, throughout the offseason and next year in the draft and then Justin Fields takes off. This is going to be a decision that Rule, Fitter, and um, the Panthers regime might regret long term. So it's definitely a pick that I wouldn't necessarily judge off of this year because the – I mean, Justin Fields is going to a situation where the Bears don't have much. I mean, they have Robinson and then what? Tariq Cohen's Tariq Cohen. Robinson, Dave, yeah. Dave Montgomery as well. Yeah. You know, he picked it up last year as a running back. Um, and, yeah, they got, you know, a couple of pieces on defense as well and everything. But I, I agree, definitely, it's not as much as what we have. Like, it's our second year rebuilding. I think, to their credit, you know, just look at the amount of people we got to go with, you know, seven defensive players last year. You know, this, I guess, kind of is what Rule was, you know, billed as when he came in initially was that he's got that, you know, first year where it's awful. You know, he's coming in, you know, cleaning out, sort of getting everything set. Second year, he's had like, you know, moderate success. And then the third year for, for his last two places at Baylor and Temple, he's had really, really, you know, amazing season. So um, hopefully everything's going to plan. I mean, like you said, only time will tell. Yeah, man. Uh, quick question, uh, guys. What do you think about the Aaron Rodgers situation that's going on? You know, last year they took Jordan Love in the first round. Aaron's pissed. This year, I thought Green Bay blew it in the uh, championship game. I thought Green Bay could have beat Tampa Bay. But how, how the hell <laughs> How the hell do you play zero coverage with inside technique? You're oh giving up God. the outside sideline when Tampa Bay had no timeouts before the half, you play outside technique. If they throw the ball across the middle of the field and you tackle them, guess what? The half is over. Yeah. The half is over. And then, um, you know, Aaron is not without blame. He could have ran for a touchdown and he decided to throw the ball. And then, you know, Devontae Adams dropped a touchdown. They ended up kicking the field. It was just a bunch of stuff that happened against Green Bay. They didn't go their way. But the decision not to to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands – on fourth MVP. down. He's the MVP of the league and for a reason. Field goal with that defense, which, you know, already gave up a bunch of sus plays throughout the game. I mean, they were – they absolutely just made some horrible plays. I don't know if it was – the scheme was all – the call was all – I don't know what the hell was going on, but you were going to put your faith in that defense over Aaron Rodgers. I'd be pissed too, man. What, uh, what do you think is going on in Green Bay? Ben, I'll let you start it off, man. Green Bay, that's, that's a huge mess. I heard they were uh, – uh, calling him uh, apparently Rogers and group test is, is calling um, their owner, uh, GM <laughs> Jerry <laughs> going after the uh, <laughs> last dance thing from last year. And it's like, Oh my God, this is, this is going another level. But I mean, it's, it's definitely dirty. It's uh, you know, not going to be a, a clean, nice finish. I don't think you know, what's going to happen. Who knows? Um, I mean, it's unique because Aaron's such a unique guy. He doesn't sort of fit the conventional mold of, of a lot of quarterbacks or a lot of athletes is really, you know, kind of, you know, deep sort of eccentric kind of, you know, character. And he is someone that I can easily see actually going through and walking away. The competitor, it wouldn't make sense for me because he has that same type of personality where he wants to be the best and play. And if he walks away, well, he can't really do that. So I think he's probably trying to force to get traded. I think Denver would be a great situation for him. But ultimately, like, you look around and, you know, Denver could be a good situation weapons-wise, but he's already familiar with his cast around in Green Bay now. And although they haven't drafted a lot to support around him, some of the skill players he's got, it's, it's pretty good. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, you know, that's pretty good company. 
this brought in Amari Rogers now to help supplement that too. Um, as far as like t- take the personal stuff out of it, like as far as like, you know, football situation for a team, it, he maybe could find a better place, but I think best chance to win a championship would probably be in, in Green Bay. So here's a difference real quick. And uh, I'll let you go. Here's the difference, man. Tom Brady goes to Tampa. Tampa Bay literally gives Tom Brady whatever he wants. Antonio Brown, cool. We know he's, you know, he's been in trouble, but we know whatever, it'll work out. He made some plays in Super Bowl, and now he got re-signed in Tampa. Cool. Gronk, you want Gronk, Tom? Okay, here, we'll give you Gronk, Tom. We'll get Gronk out of retirement. Um, Leonard Fournette, I mean, Tampa Bay literally gave Tom Brady everything he wanted. And in the draft, they beat up their offensive line. Yep. They made one of the best picks in the draft last year on their O-line. I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. I apologize. But you know what yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, because it's funny because the you know the media try to talk about, oh, this is the same team that Jameis had. No, it's not. <laughs> they literally added pieces in the draft and the offseason and free agency. They gave Tom Brady whatever he wanted, man. And Aaron Rodgers sitting here like, gotta get one receiver in the draft, at least a first round talent, tight end receiver, something. Yeah. This he had a first round draft pick since he's been with the Green Bay Packers, first off. That's, he was that's crazy. MVP. You take the ball out of his hands, but it's just think about it for a second. Just take a second and just breathe for a second and think about it for a second. He hasn't had a wide receiver drafted in the first round since he's been the Packers. Not one. Yeah. Not one. That's pretty incredible. Like, he's an MVP, Super Bowl champion. You haven't drafted him any type of help in the first round. Not even a tight end. Has he been for Green Bay? I mean, it's, um, I mean, just this thing about it, it's like, it's mind boggling. He has been happy. He wanted a new contract. He wants the GM fire. I mean, like, you can go on and go on and go on. Like, I saw with Aaron Rodgers on this. I mean, he's not happy. He's let you know before. He's let you know now that he doesn't want to return to the Packers. He's texting his own teammates, let him know that hey, he don't. He doesn't think he's going to return. He even texted Brett Favre recently. Brett Favre was on ESPN earlier today saying he don't think he's optimistic that Aaron Rodgers is going to return to Green Bay. I mean, you could take that with a grain of salt, however you feel about Brett Favre. But I mean, like, let's call it like it is. He doesn't want to return to the Packers. He thinks his time with the Packers organization is done. He's not happy. He's letting the organization know that he doesn't want to be there. I think in this type of instance, the Packers kind of hold the cards because you don't just let them walk away and don't get nothing for them, a.k.a. Cam Newton. If you want to trade him, get some kind of value for him. He's still he, he's a reigning MVP this past season. So if you do decide to trade him, you know, get some value for him. But don't sit there and let him just walk away for nothing. Get some kind of value. If there is any kind of, like, reconciliation with this whole project, I mean, make it happen. If you think you can make it work, make it work. But I don't – just hearing him and watching through the media and hearing, you know, players say this and that, I don't think he's happy in Green Bay. I, re- I really, really don't. And I think I agree with Ben. I think the Broncos would be a good destination for him even though they just traded for Teddy B. But, I mean, let's be serious. Teddy B over Aaron Rodgers, yeah. let's be serious. Come Please. on, y'all. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly, man. And, like, you know, funny, Green Bay's drafted defense like nine out of the last ten years. And the one time yeah. they drafted a player on offense, it's a quarterback. Yeah. 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 It's sad, it's man. Awful. I mean, just first round, no wide receivers in this regiment with the Packers. That's crazy. Crazy, man. I don't think they drafted a tight end in the first round like nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And, you know, they, Aaron, Aaron can only get them, but so far, but, you know, uh, Bakhtiari got hurt, and I think one of the other offensive linemen got hurt, and, you know, he got them right there, but they just couldn't get over the hump. And then last year, they got absolutely curb stomped by the 49ers in the championship game. Like, Aaron Rodgers can only do but so much, man. So much. Get that man, yep. get that man a, a legit team. Give him whatever he wants. His window is short, man. 
the window to win a championship in the NFL is short. And Green Bay has been a team that's kind of been knocking on the door for about a decade now. I mean, they've been there's like several NFC championship games in the last five, six years. So you, you know, help Aaron get over the top, man. Like he'll get you there, but you just got to put some pieces around to help him get over the top. Um, let me get this, fellas. Let me get your shocker of the draft. I'm going to start it off. I think that Mac Jones not going three because everything you saw from any type of media related, you, you heard Mac Jones, pretty boy, Bay Area looks like he looks like he's like the you know poster kid for <laughs> the Bay Area. I mean, even if you watch him throughout the whole draft process in the green room, he looked like he was ready to just walk out at pick three. They select Trey Lance. And then after the pick, you hear that they feel that Trey Lance is more ready, NFL ready right now at the season start today. Um, due to that West Coast system, um, you hear certain um, NFL scouts say that his ability to read the defensive line, uh, to check down his hot reads, uh, you know, to read the defense, read the pass rushers, they think that he's ready right now. Um, I also, I say another shocker will be for me is not one HBCU athlete was drafted in the entire NFL draft, which is mind-boggling. Those are my shockers of the draft. Start with UC. What do you think? What's your shocker of the draft so far? Huh. I was kind of surprised about Trey Lance going three, but if you just watch Trey Lance's pro day and Mac Jones pro day, I mean, Trey Lance just checks all the boxes. Um, I think long-term he has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones. Um, He can do – he's more mobile than Mac Jones. And Kyle Shanahan hasn't really had a mobile quarterback. I mean, he had Jimmy G. He got Jimmy G the Super Bowl, but – and then you had Matt Ryan. I think Trey Lance can uh, unlock – something that uh, Kyle Shannon hasn't had uh, in the past. But my shocker is Jamar Chase going to the Bengals. And this is why. Jamar Chase is definitely worthy of being picked at number five to the Bengals. But y'all just watched Joe Burrow get absolutely killed last year. Killed. And I know Jamar Chase is Joe Burrow's boy, but you have to protect your quarterback. You have to protect your quarterback. I'm really surprised they didn't take Sewell at five or Slater at five to yeah. help protect Joe Burrow. Because that's six foot that's, six, three thirty. That's crazy, man. That's the franchise cool. right there. And Joe Burrow yeah. is not a big guy. He is not a big guy. He is not a no. big, strong guy. And he got absolutely beat up last year. And I understand you want to, you know, I can understand adding weapons, but you really have to protect the quarterback first. You can have all the weapons around your quarterback, but if he doesn't have time to set his feet and throw or he's getting hit, especially at Joe Burrow's size, he's not going to last long, and you're going to ruin him. And the Bengals, I think that was a mistake. I think it was a mistake. Not And this is no knock on Jamar Chase because everybody knows Jamar Chase was the best receiver in the draft. But I just, if you're the Bengals, you have to protect your quarterback first and – you just saw Joe Burrow go through a gruesome injury and you don't draft the best offensive lineman in the draft when he's available to protect him. I just think personally, that's a mistake. Uh, ben, what was your surprise of the draft? Then you took mine T that, that I was to get going to be mine. Uh, definitely the, uh, you know, Sewell falling past five. Cause that's when I personally started getting really excited, sort of sitting up on my seat a little bit going like, uh Oh, like, he made it past the Bengals. Okay. Is there a chance he can keep falling down? Like, you know, skill position better. Let's keep going. But Oh, yes, that was definitely a surprise for me. Uh, one thing to sort of, um, you know, go back to what you're talking about, um, Mac uh, Jones and uh, Trey Lance. I-, I think I shared in the fantasy group that little uh, screenshot that right before they made the pick, ESPN had that little graphic where it said, Mac Jones, limited mobility, and he's just smiling and cheesing. I'm just like, there's no way that they're going to pick him now after seeing that. Like, if that was the case, like, my God, like, you know, 49ers fans would have just freaked out. 
um, if they actually had to, to go through with that. But I guess the obvious one, uh, big surprise was, you know, a lot of, got a lot of coverage um, based on some of the draft experts rankings and everything was uh, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama um, being drafted by the Raiders, you know, a couple rounds above. I think they, a lot of people had him as like a third round kind of grade. Um, and he got drafted before a lot of other really highly rated uh, offensive tackles, but kind of goes to show, you know, these teams don't really care what the, you know, news media, sports media says, or is mocking it there. They've got their own team, their own sketch, their own board, and they go by that board, you know, just to see what they try to maximize the value. Yeah. I have another one really quick. I, Travis ETN going the first round surprised me. Oh yeah. That was yeah. a surprise. I mean, I know that's Trevor Lawrence's boy and all, but you know, I, I, I just couldn't believe that. And Mel Kuyper was um, definitely surprised by that one as, as I was as well. Um, well, uh, we got about 10 minutes left, fellas. So, real I quick, I'm going to switch sports real quick. The King of Charlotte is back. LaMelo Ball is back. Made a huge impact last night in the win over Detroit. Charlotte is hanging in the eighth spot. Right now, it would be in the playing scenario where um, if we will play the seventh seed, which I think right now is the Boston Celtics. Yep. One um, game, right? Yep. Win one game. You win if you win the seven eight game, you're in. If you lose, you play the winner of the nine ten game. So mm-hmm. being the eight spot isn't bad in the playing game situation because if you win, you're in. If you lose, you still have a chance to play. Um, right now, Indiana is in the nine spot, and the Washington Wizards have surged to the ten spot. Now, mm-hmm. if I'm Charlotte in the playing situation, I would rather go ahead and win that seven eight game because the Wizards are a dangerous team. When you got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. You don't want to see them yes. in any one-game situation. I mean, Bradley Beal was the second or leading scorer in the NBA. Him and Steph are neck and neck, and Russell Westbrook has the experience. Um, mm-hmm. So the Hornets definitely got to keep winning. Miles Bridges has definitely stepped up. Unfortunately, he's in uh, health and safety protocol, so he could possibly miss the rest of the regular season. It's a mm-hmm. big blow. Um, P.J. Washington's played better. Um, what do you think, uh, LaMelo, just coming back, the buzz has already, no pun intended, been – up since he's been back. I mean, he's he, horns are back on Sports Center highlights like, all over again. Um, oh yeah, definitely all over Bleacher Report. Um, what do you guys think about the Hornets' uh, playing game scenario and possible playoff uh, run? Maybe if they can slide up to possibly six. What do you guys think about their playoff prospects? Really quick. Go ahead, Ben. I'll let you start it off. So I think obviously having, you know, Mellow back is a huge boost for us um, to, to be able to have that presence. Like you said, the sports center highlights, it's on one hand, just like, you know, power assist the ball to, to get it in for, you know, an assist right afterwards. And um, he's, you know, looking great, uh, not showing any, you know, you know, signs of, you know, having to take his time coming back from the injuries, you know, back to normal self right away. And um, I think we've got a, a good chance to anybody. I think it'd be interesting to have a, a you know, matchup against Boston, with uh with Kemba Walker and everything, you know, having that sort of face-off going there would be uh, an interesting matchup. But I mean, we're playing good. I think the matchup between the Celtics will be very intriguing, just like Ben just mentioned. You know, Kemba Walker coming back. I think um, a difference in that matchup could be uh, who's going to really guard Jason Tatum because we've seen um, that boy can get off at any moment. Um, <laughs> he showed glimpses of Kobe. He just dropped a sixty-piece the other night. It'll be very intriguing. How does Kemba take the whole matchup of facing his former team who he gave his heart, soul, and sweat to the city of Charlotte. 
um, a lot of people think he was underappreciated in the city of Charlotte. Um, but I mean, he gave everything at all times on the court. You never seen seen him take a playoff. So I think it'll be very intriguing. Um, the Hornets are five and five in the last ten games. Um, they're a half a game off the. Uh, I'm sorry, they're two games back from Boston. Um, I think what's very tricky is the six seventh um, seeding is a half game. Yeah. So yeah, Miami I mean, I think there's what. Yeah, Miami yeah. is a half. Yeah, nine and a half. Boston's ten games behind. So I mean, I guess that's a half game difference. So what? There's like what seven games left in the season. There's still a little yeah. bit of time left. Um, my main thing for Melo, which I've seen uh, the other night, was uh, his conditioning. He looks like he haven't lost a step at all whatsoever, man. I mean, you watch the kid the night. I mean, like the dude just doesn't slow down at all. Yeah. I haven't seen passing like this since almost Magic. I mean, of course, that's no pun to Braun. I mean, we know Braun can pass the ball, but man, what you're seeing from this kid his rookie season is just it's unreal, man. I mean, like, he's rookie of the year. Um, and as hard as I've been on Borrego and his coaching, he's arguably one of his best coaching jobs. And, I mean, he's definitely in the running, in my opinion, top three coach of the year candidates, man. I mean, it speaks for itself. But as far down, as matchups, man. yeah, uh, as far as matchups, I think that that Boston matchup is very, very intriguing. I agree with Terrence. Stay away from Washington as much as you can because them boys is hungry. They have nothing to lose. And Russell Westbrook, we know in the playoffs, the kid's a killer, man. He's a killer. So I definitely agree. You know, the pace of playoff basketball slows down. That's what worries me a little bit about the Hornets. Um, you know, you haven't been there in a while. So playoff basketball, we know the pace definitely slows down. In a one-game elimination, you know, scenario where you're losing, you have to play in the ninth, 10th matchup. That can be very intriguing, I think. Yeah, man. I just hate that we got all these injuries because we were in the four spot. And to see the New York Knicks – and the Atlanta Hawks in the 4-5 when we were there just drives me crazy because Knicks fans yeah. have all of a sudden come back from the dead and talk all yeah. this crap, talking about we want the Brooklyn Nets in the second round and all this other crap. Like, that was supposed to be us, but we know Brooklyn – I mean, not Brooklyn, New York has been healthy. Unfortunately, we had injuries and then health and safety protocols, but we're still can make the playoffs. I think, you know, this year making the playoffs is a huge success for this team. Definitely, man. I got one closeout for you, fellas. This is the surprise question I was going to ask you. I was kind of – on topic, the off topic a little bit. So we know the big announcement was made about a week and a half ago about Apple coming to the RDU area. Um, you know, uh, we have the Carolina Courage as far as soccer. There's been rumored that a potential MLB baseball team can come to Raleigh, which would be very, very intriguing. We know the Charlotte has, you know, basketball, football. They also have a soccer team, I believe, by Tepper, the owner of the Panthers. Yeah. Um, what do you feel economically and financially as far as the RDU area, North Carolina and whole? as far as Apple bringing, you know, their company to the RDU area, potentially over 3,000 jobs. How does that work for sports-wise? What, what are your thoughts on Apple coming to the RDU area and as far as North Carolina as a whole? All right. So I, oh, I won't be oh, – I'm sorry. We have about four minutes. So I'm just going to say, okay. uh, I mean, our, them, them rent prices, man, woof, they about to go yeah. up. It's already crazy here in Raleigh. So. Yeah, man, <laughs> it crazy. is. The one thing I would say about this is – for the three thousand jobs, are they going to be? Are they going to hire people from North Carolina, or are they going to bring a bunch of tech guys from the West Coast? Because what happens is when these companies bring headquarters to cities, is usually they'll bring people from the West Coast and they'll fill in the jobs in house. They might hire a few people from the area, but you know, it's I don't know, man. But as far as Apple coming, I mean, Raleigh can definitely is big enough. You know, Raleigh can definitely support a major sports. I mean, they support the Hurricanes pretty well for years. Yeah. I think, um. It'll be intriguing to see if Raleigh can add to their sports profile. Um, they bid, they did bid on an MLS soccer team, but Charlotte got the bid. I know some people in the 919 are, weren't happy about it, but um, I mean, 
Raj definitely being considered as an area. Uh, I think it'd be good for the city. Uh, ben, what do you think? Yeah, I think so as well. Like like Royal was saying, I mean, Raleigh's already, you know, prices are, are going up just because of, um, you know, a lot of investment aside from outlets already happening into the city. And um, I think we just passed Mecklenburg County, I saw as the largest, um, you know, county now, Wake County just passed Mecklenburg um, for population size. And um, I think it'll be good. I mean, I think we can definitely support it. An MLB team. I'll also be interested to see some of the talk they've had with Centennial Group for the PNC arena deciding whether they want to do a huge reinvestment into that arena, like a hundred million dollar plus like upgrade renovation, or which seems likely build a, um, you know, new stadium downtown. Um, you know, there's this parking lot area next to Red Head Amphitheater and that sort of area of town that's like, you know, completely empty would be perfect for it's been proposed. That would be, I think, huge, not only for, you know, to have the Hurricanes play there, but to have other teams come in as well. And I don't think you probably put the baseball stadium right downtown as well, but I mean, you know, it could be definitely a possibility to, you know, have a major league baseball team here in Raleigh with the amount of people and, you know, support that we have coming in already. All right, fellas, that's going to wrap it up today, man. Thank y'all for tuning in for the Two Shades of Blue podcast. My name's Royal Howell, Ben Redlinger, Terrence Hashett. They're my co-hosts today. We had a great, great show this evening. Uh, stay tuned next week. We'll have some more hot takes coming up. Thank you for tuning in for Two, two Shades of Blue podcast. Carolina Blitz, we love y'all. Be safe out there. Wear your mask. Thank you.